0: Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us today, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online or listening in later on. It is good to have you be with us today here at GFC. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Andrew, one of the pastors here at GFC. And today we are in our third week in the series called We Are GFC, where We have been talking about, you know, it's a new year. We've been trying to talk about who are we as a church? What does it look like to be the church uh, here at GFC? But also just what does it look like to be the church, kind of big C church around the world? What does does that look like? And today we're going to continue that conversation. And today we're going to ask the question, what could we accomplish together if we commit to be his church? What could we accomplish together if we committed to, as a local church body to be his church. Because I think there's a lot of things that we could we could do together. There's a lot of things that we could accomplish. But before we get to that question, there's actually another question I want to kind of step back and answer first. And that is what is the nature of the church? Or what does it mean to be the church? What does it look like to be the church? Because depending on what you think the church is, or what the church is for, will determine what you think we could or should accomplish. Does that make sense? Like, depending on where we start and what we think we are will help direct where we think we should go. And so that's kind of the question I want to ask first. And so what is the nature of the church? And depending on uh, what your experience has been with the church growing up, or uh, whether you've uh, grown up in the church, or maybe you didn't grow up in the church, and uh, maybe you had a negative view of the church for a long time. Maybe you still have a negative view of the church. Maybe you have a positive view of the church. Depending on uh, your life circumstances uh, or whatnot, it probably helps determine what you think the nature of the church is and what we're here for. But I want to go right to God's Word, and there's... Tons and tons and tons of passages we could go to, but there's one specific kind of picture or imagery that the New Testament uses a lot to describe what the nature of the church is. And uh, if you've been a believer for a long time, I'm sure you've heard this imagery before, but it's the imagery that the church is described as the body of Christ. The church is described as the body of Christ. Of Christ. Now, I just want us to take a, a pause. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard that, and that is probably like, yeah, I've heard that a lot. But just think about that. Think about the church is described as the body of Christ. Like, if just get our our Christianese glasses off for a second, that kind of sounds strange, doesn't it? Like, we as a whether you want to say, a, is it the building is the body of Christ? Is it the the institution is the body of Christ? Is it the people is the body of Christ? Like how can we all be the body of our risen lord and savior like that that's that's just kind of a weird imagery right at least i think it is uh, and it would be weird if i didn't grow up in the church and i just heard that over and over again but it's a powerful imagery when we when we pause and we think about it think about this we as as the body of christ as believers because i don't believe the new testament is talking about a building i don't believe it's talking about just the institution it's talking about You and me, if you're a believer in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are, in some mysterious way, the physical representation of our Lord and Savior on earth right now. Like, our Lord Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross, rose again, and then ascended into heaven, and he was like, yo, my disciples, you're my body, go out from here, represent me to the world, and bring more people into this body. And that's why, if you're a believer, that's why we're here today. Because God's or Jesus' disciples, at the very beginning, went out as his body and brought more people into that body. And now we are part of his body. And I don't fully understand how that works. There's some mystery there, but it's a really cool and profound Piece of imagery, I think. And I think that is the best, uh, most profound piece of imagery, at least for me, when it comes to describing the church. It's the fact that we are Christ's body, even here and now. And the Ephesians 1 talks about it like this. It says, And God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way so we are right now his physical representation here on earth he's working through us sometimes i wonder why would he want to work through me why would he want to work through us but we've been brought into this amazing privilege of being part of his body But what does that, what does it look like to be part of his body? What, I want to flesh that out a little more. Uh, how how should we operate as the body of Christ? If you're a believer here today, you are part of that. How should we interact with one another? And so I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if, uh, if you're not familiar with it, we do have a follow along on our website where you can get all the notes, you can get all the verses. I'd encourage you to go there if you want to follow along because we're going to be looking at, at a number of verses here in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And really, kind of fleshing out more of what does it look like for us to be the body of Christ. So this is what it says. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. All right, I just want to stop there. Verse 12. Verse 12, the Apostle Paul who's writing this, he's, he's using this imagery of the human body, and he's, he's getting to this reality that the human body is diverse, but it's united. There's diversity and in, in unity all in one. And, and we get that. We have hands, and we have, we have kidneys, and we have a head, and we have a belly button, and we have toes, and we have all this diversity. But we think of it as, as one body because it is one body. And so the Apostle Paul is taking this well-known like just fact of life, and he's applying it to Christ and to his church. That's verse 12. And then he goes on to continue to flesh out this idea of unity and diversity here in, in verses 13 and 14. 13, he says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So here he's picking up on that unity theme the fact that in Christ we are all united. As followers of Jesus, it is the fact that we have, he says, by one spirit so as to form one body. It's the Holy Spirit that unites all of us here in the room who are believers here. It's not the fact that we're, we all live here uh, in Pennsylvania or the fact that uh, we're all uh, living in this part of the world. We're not united by, by just race or ethnicity. We're not raised by uh, economical or political standing. We're not connected by our sports teams or anything like that. Even know, all those things, especially the last one, are really important. But it's the, th- the thing that really unites us is the fact that we have the Holy Spirit within us. We're united and we're connected. And then he goes on, verse 14, he says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Back, again, back to that idea of diversity. So that's, that's the reality but now the Apostle Paul, he's going he's gonna to try to poke some holes into this because he knows that as human beings, we're pretty fickle. And even though we have this amazing opportunity to be part of the body, and even though we're united and we're diverse, and that's apparently a, a good thing, we have our minds, which play tricks on us from, times, from time to time. We have the ability to look around and we start to question God's truth. Does anyone else do that? I do that. And the Apostle Paul, he's about to show us, hmm, he's, I, I can only imagine him writing this saying, you know what, they're not going to fully understand this unless I help them realize what they might start to think. Alright, so you, you'll see what I mean by in just a sec. If we go on to the next few verses here, he says this, he says this, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. All right, what's, what's going on here? This, this this is kind of absurd. Like, think of this imagery that he's using. A foot is somehow perceiving a hand, and it's like, pff, man, look at that hand. I mean, how could a foot look at a hand? But he's the foot is just saying, man, I'm not a hand, therefore I... I don't belong to this body. Think about that. Somehow the foot's like, man, that hand, it can grasp things, and it can do all sorts of things, and it can give high fives, and I can't give high fives. and like, like I mean, no one wants to give high feet, right? That would be kind of gross. So like the, the foot somehow thinks it doesn't belong to the body because it's not a hand. And you go on, and the ear's doing the same thing just with the eye. The ear's like, man... Look at that eye. That eye, it can see. It can do all sorts of cool things. What do I do? I just hear things. Like, who wants that? And and the ear is just like comparing itself to the eye. And does it feel good about itself? No, it feels inferior to the eye. And it thinks, you know what? I shouldn't even be part of this body. Because I'm not an eye. Now, The Apostle Paul, remember, he's using this body imagery to talk about us as the body of Christ, as the church. So, putting aside the eyes and the ears and those things, what could this look like for us here in this room? It could look like someone who's part of the body of Christ, who maybe has, who's really, really good at hospitality. Someone who just has those gifts and abilities, and they're like, They're they're just so good at welcoming people in, and there are people in this room who are so good at that, and then they look across the room, and they're like, man, that person is so, so gifted at giving wise counsel to other people. Like, I just, I stand around them, and people come with their problems, and they just always have that wise piece of advice, and they're so good at giving life direction and counsel, and man, of course God's going to use them because they're a good counselor, but... God can't use me. I'm just, I just have this gift of hospitality. Like, how could God use that? Or it's like someone who's, who's really, really good with kids, and who can just, who's so good at teaching kids, and just interacting with them, and pointing them to Jesus, and then they look across the room, and they're like, that person is so good at planning events, and just doing things where they're, they're able to rally people, and get people excited, and do things, and they're organized, and of course God can use them and their administrative abilities, but God can't use me. I just like kids. Like, how could God use me? That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here, this idea that different parts of the church, different people in the church would look around and say, I'm inferior. I shouldn't even be part of the body. God can't even use me because I have this gifting, but that person is that gifting. It's like the foot saying, I shouldn't even be part of the body because I'm not a hand. That's an absurd thing for the foot to say to the hand. And likewise, we as the body of Christ shouldn't do that either. And so I think the Apostle Paul is getting to this reality that no one is inferior in the body of Christ. No one is inferior in the body of Christ. We all have different gifts and abilities. Some of us are feet, some of us are hands. But we're all part of the body. We can't look around and compare ourselves and think we're less valuable. Moving on into verses 18 to 20, it says this. It says, God has placed the different parts of the body exactly where he wants them. Remember, Paul isn't talking uh, about the human body. Uh, where am I at? Sorry, I totally threw you guys off. I was reading the wrong thing. Um, There, verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Think about that. God has arranged the human body in the different parts where he wants them to be, and likewise, here in his church, he has placed us here where he wants us to be. Think about that. You have unique gifts and abilities And God has placed you in his body, and he's happy about that. He's pleased with with that reality. He's not looking at you like, why are you like that? I can't use you in my body. Get out of here. No, he's, he's made you the way you are for his reasons, for his purposes. And he doesn't think you're inferior because you're a foot or because you're a hand or because you're an ear. He is glad that you have the gifts and abilities that you have, and you can use them for His body. And He's he's put you here for that reason. In verse 19, He says, "If, If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Again, just imagine a body if it was all made up of just ears. You wouldn't really have a body. You'd just have a bunch of ears. You couldn't do things. It wouldn't be good. Likewise here... In God's church, we need each other. We need others. We need people who are different from us. We need people with unique gifts and abilities and different wirings. And guess what? God was pleased to put us here with those different gifts and abilities for his purposes. And so no one is inferior in the body of Christ. So that's the first thing, where the Apostle Paul is writing about this idea of the body of Christ and how we're all united but we're diverse. And I guarantee you, it's like, someone's going to hear that and think, man, I'm not as good as that person or I'm not as important as that person. I'm an inferior body part. And Paul's like, nope, God doesn't think that. We're all needed. We need each other. Moving on then to verse 21, Um, Apostle Paul kind of goes to the the other extreme. He says, The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lack it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it in verse 21 again we have this these this just imagery of these body parts somehow looking at other body parts, and instead of the, the, the foot looking at the hand and saying, man, you're just way better than me, I'm inferior to you, now we have an eye, it says, to the hand, I don't need you. And the head says to the feet, I don't need you. So now instead of body parts saying, like, I'm inferior, now we have body parts saying that I'm superior. And again, similarly, we can't look around the room and say, man, I'm inferior because I don't have that person's gifts or abilities or wirings. Now we can't look around the room and say, I'm glad I'm here. Y'all better thank you lucky stars I'm here because I'm, I'm the head and I'm way superior to the feet. Like, Apostle Paul is getting to that other extreme. That we can't look around and say, get out of here. I don't need you. We can't do that as the body of Christ. God has put us together, and, and the Apostle Paul goes on and he talks about um, how God has given honor. He's, again, he's talking back to the human body. God has given honor to those uh, un- unpresentable parts and given special modesty and different things. And he's, he's getting to this idea that every part has value, whether it's uh, every part of our human body has value and worth and purpose to it. And similarly, here in the body of Christ, everyone has value and worth and purpose to it. Think about that. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you have value and worth and purpose because you're part of the body of Christ. You need the other people in this room. You need the other people in the body of Christ because you're just an ear or you're just a foot or you're just a hand. You need the other body parts And likewise, they need you. You're valuable. When the human body, when parts of the human body start to shut down, it it impacts the the whole rest of the body. And it's true here in the body of Christ when when different party parts say, "I'm, I'm not needed and just step away or I can't be used and then don't allow God to use them. It impacts the whole body. And I think this is where we need to get to when it comes to, when we when talk about what is the nature of the church, we need to realize that we are this relational community put together by God, designed with many different individuals, with different gifts and abilities and talents and wirings and unique personalities and quirks and all sorts of things. But God has put us together to be his body. We need each other. The Apostle Paul finishes up this section in verse 27 and says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You could put your name in there if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of God, if you're part of this body. Now you, like you, are part of the body of Christ. Each one of you, each one of us is a part of it. Now, again, I don't think this is a, if you've grown up in the church, this isn't something that's totally new. This isn't something that is a a shocker, I think, to many of us. But it's something that I think we need to sit with. Because we've heard this imagery a lot. And because of our culture, I think sometimes we miss out on the reality that we're actually dependent on other people. Like, God has created us to depend on others. We've been created as interdependent beings. And that's not something that's just happened because sin has entered the world. We go back to the very beginning of God's word in Genesis. God creates Adam, and, I mean, picture that, being in perfect relationship with the God of the universe, and God says, this isn't good, you need someone else. And so he creates Eve. This is before sin has entered the world. God didn't want it just to be him and Adam. He wanted Adam to have someone else there with him. And I bring that up because, I'll, I'll be honest for myself, and I think in our American church, there's often this idea of like, well, my, my relationship with God, it's just me and him. It's, it's a private thing. It's, it's just me and Jesus. And that I'm good. I don't need anyone else. Like, I'm solid. People often think religion is a private thing. And religion might be a private thing, but a relationship with Jesus isn't a private thing. It's meant to be done in the body of Christ. Because that's the way he's designed it. Now, as a side note, we all need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have our own um, relationship with him. I'm not saying that at all. But, It can't just be me and Jesus good. God has designed us to be part of his body, to be with others, to be pouring into others, and to have others pour into us. And so that's why one of the things here at GFC we, we hope to see is that church rows should lead to family circles. It's the idea that we don't just come and sit and hear about following Jesus, but that we actually start to become a family together. That we actually start to operate as the body of Christ together. Because that's what we see the way he's designed it to be. That we move from just me and Jesus to me and Jesus and and others as part of the body. Because relationships with other believers, it's, it's essential to following Jesus. Jesus, when he came, he gathered his disciples around him. And when he dispersed them out into the world, they went Together, often to help spread the news of uh, of the gospel and to to disciple others and to start churches, and it was all had to be done together in that community. There's a uh, an old proverb. uh, Not it's not in the Bible, but it's often uh, contributed to an old African proverb. And the proverb is this: It's that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And I believe that as the body of Christ, we want to go far. God has Jesus has told us that we're to go make disciples of all nations. We want to go everywhere. And we can't do that by ourselves. We have to do that together. We are created to be interdependent beings. And so that's why things like partnership is something we talk about here at GFC. We want people to partner together, to commit to say, hey, I'm going to be part of this local body of Christ to help take God's mission to the world. That, hey, I want to be part of a small group so that I can be part of that body together. That, hey, I want to help serve because that's what being part of the body is. That I help serve and others help serve me and we work together as the body. All right, so that's... That's what I think the nature of the church is. It's the body of Christ living in relationship together, working together, growing together for God's glory. In the last two years, I'll be honest, it's been really hard to do that sometimes. The last two years has been difficult for all sorts of variety of reasons. And I'll be honest for myself, it can be really easy for me to get in this mindset of like, I'm just, I'm good, it's me and God, and I can just go, and I don't need anyone else. I can have that mindset, it can be really easy to do that. Because sometimes I can think that that's what following Jesus is about, it's just me and him. And yes, it's a huge part of it, but there's more to it than that. We're called to be part of the body. And that's whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you are um, you like socializing with other people or not. We're all created to be dependent on others. So now, getting back to what could we accomplish together if we commit to be his church? What could we accomplish together if we commit to be his church this year together? And again, I think... Just having that body of Christ imagery holding on to that in our minds when we answer this question is important. Because if we, if we don't have that imagery in mind, if we're not thinking that that's what the church is, we could try to accomplish some things this year that wouldn't necessarily be what God wants us to accomplish. If we don't have this understanding that we are the body of Christ— We could do all sorts of things here together on Sunday mornings at different events. We could do things in our community, but we could miss out, I think, on what's most important, what Jesus wants us to do. And so I think it's important that we hold on to that body image, remembering that no one's inferior or superior here in this body, that God has placed us all here for a reason, and we can work together. And when we hold on to that, Now let's ask this question. What could we accomplish together if we commit to be his church? There's three things I think we could do. And they're all, have you guys heard the the phrase, many hands make light work? You guys heard that phrase before? Yep. All right, a couple people have. Well, it's it's just, the first thing is that many hands can make light work. If we work together, this is just a practical reality. If we work together, many hands make light work. It doesn't all fall onto one person, or it doesn't all fall onto the hand. It doesn't all fall onto the foot. When the human body all works together, not one part has to feel exhausted. But what happens when, when someone who, who has an injured body part, uh, they, they try to do something, often other parts of the body have to try to take over and compensate, and there's a, a, strong, or a heavier load on the different parts of the body. The same is true in Christ's body. When not all the body parts are working together, there becomes heavier work for fewer people. And the reality is that many hands can help make light work. And the awesome thing is, when many hands make light work, when this part of the body isn't functioning well, or this part is hurting, or this part is sick, or this part just, just needs to step back and take a break, that can happen. But things don't fall apart. Because there's many hands making light work. But what happens when everything hinges on this one body part or on this one person and then they have to step back? Everything collapses. And so I think just a very practical reality is when we commit to be the body together that many hands will make light work. When Moses led uh, Israel out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness and Moses had just a huge just load of work and responsibility. I mean, he's l- the leader of this nation that has just come out of slavery. And do you guys remember the story of when his father-in-law comes to him? Jephthah, do you guys remember? He comes to him, and does he tell him to keep doing all the work he's doing? If you remember the story? No, Jephthah comes and he says, Moses, what are you doing? You're doing too much work. You need to delegate. You need to get other people in here because many hands make light work. And so, when we work together, I think that's one of the realities. The next two, I, I think, are, that, that first one's just kind of a practical reality. The next two are things that I think we could actually accomplish this year together if we're the body of Christ. And the first one is this, that many hands help produce growth. Many hands help produce growth. And what I mean by that is the idea of spiritual growth that as believers in Jesus we are growing in our relationship with God and we are growing in in becoming like Jesus. Now following Jesus isn't just about I said a prayer at one point and now I'm good. I got my fire insurance. I'm happy. I'm I'm great. I just I come on Sunday morning and no our desire as being a disciple of Jesus is to become like Jesus, to live like him, to be his that's what being a disciple is, is you follow someone, you're apprenticed to them to become like them. And so this year, when, when we work together, I think spiritual growth can and will happen. And in fact, I, th- I don't think spiritual growth happens the way it should unless people are working together, unless the body is being the body. And again, I think this kind of—I'll j- just speak for myself— I can often think that my spiritual growth is dependent on me and Jesus. That you know what? If I read my Bible and if I pray and if I just have my, my quiet time that I will grow and become like Jesus. And that's part of it. Having that personal relationship, reading God's word, having that truth in our hearts and in our minds is so important. Praying uh, is so important. But I believe that spiritual growth Really begins to happen when we start to be the body of Christ together. And if you, there's in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it says this: It says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see that? As the, as the parts of the body work together, what happens? There's, the body is healthy, and it's growing, and it's full of love. When we choose to work together to be the body of Christ, that's when spiritual growth really begins to take off, I believe. And we see Jesus modeling that. When Jesus came, he wasn't this lone maverick figure going around doing his own thing. He brought people around him, and then he established his church, his body to do this together. And again, I think this is important because there can be a a mindset, I know in my heart, and I think in the American church of like, I don't need others. I'm independent. I'm my own individual. I'm good. I can do this on my own. When in reality, we need to just come to the fact that we need other people in our life. I mean, when we come to follow Jesus, that's a step of humble, like humbling ourselves, realizing we're not our own God, realizing we're not our own Savior, and that we need someone else to save us, and that's Jesus. But then when it comes to living for our Savior, following him, becoming more like him, I think we also need to humble ourselves and realize, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I'm just a foot. I'm just a hand. I need other body parts. I need the other parts of Christ's church in my life. And I need to be helping them grow. And we need to do this together. I was reading a book last fall about a guy, who was, he was talking about spiritual growth, and he was re- talking about his story in the book, and he was talking about how he didn't grow up as a believer, but when he became a believer, he had this idea that, you know what, spiritual growth is going to happen like a lightning bolt from heaven, that, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray, and God is just going to, at different times, zap me. And, like, I get zapped, and then I kind of level up to the next, like, spiritual growth level. And that was kind of his—he didn't actually think that, in the, like, in the moment, but when he reflects back, he was like, you know what? That was the perception I had of what following Jesus and growing uh, to become like Jesus was that I go through the motions, I check off the boxes, and when I do enough, I get zapped, and then, man, I've, I've grown. And then he, he, he moved to a new church, where the church was being the body of Christ together, where there were people who spoke into his life, and encouraged him, and challenged him, and kept him accountable, and he then served others, and worked together. And then he came to this realization that, you know what? God's plan A for spiritual growth is to use other people. That God's plan A for helping us to grow to become like Christ is for us to be part of the body, to be working with other parts of the body, and to have them working with us. And as we work together and serve alongside each other and encourage one another, and they help us and we help them, that through all of this, We grow and mature, and as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I know I've harped on this point a little long, but I really want us to get it because of the fact that I think so often we can think in independent, individualized lenses and I know I can speak from my own heart of thinking, you know what, I don't need other people. I can do this. Or you know what, it'll take too much time to get other people involved. I'll just buckle down and do this. Or you know what, I don't want other people to think this about me. Or man, how dare I share this because what could they think of me? And so I'm just going to grin it and bear it and I'm just going to hope that I get zapped and that I spiritually grow that way. And I'll tell you what, in my own life, the times I've grown the most... Is when I've humbled myself and realized I need other people, and other people might need me. And when I've been part of the body. And so I really want us to get that this year because I think spiritual growth is so utterly important. Because if we're not growing spiritually, growing in our relationship with God, and becoming more like Jesus, why are we here? Is it just to get entertained? Is it just to feel good about ourselves? Is it just to kind of check off that religious box? I don't think any of those things are good reasons. I think we would all say, if we're a follower of Jesus, that yes, I want to become like Jesus. I want to grow my relationship with him. And I believe that he wants us to be part of the body in order to grow. I think that's a key factor. All right, the last one. So we talked about how many hands make light work, and many hands help produce growth. And the last one is this, that many hands give glory to God. Many hands give glory to God. We all have different gifts and abilities and wirings. Some of us are feet, some of us are hands. And when we work together, God is glorified. First Peter 4, 10-11 says this, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. As followers of Jesus, God's glory should be important to us. In fact, it should be one of the most important things, if not the most important thing about us. I mean, think about back to the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they when they rebelled against God, they were rebelling against God in his glory. They were saying, you know what? God, your way is wrong. Our way is best. They wanted to pave their own way. They wanted their own glory. They wanted to be God. They wanted to usurp his throne. And what has that done? It's thrown this world into chaos. It's thrown our lives into chaos because we do the same exact thing as sinners. But when God is glorified in our lives, that's the way things were created to be. And when we use our gifts and abilities together as the body, God is glorified. We don't have to sit around and say, you know what? If only I could do that for God. I can only do this. I'm inferior. I can't do that. And we can't sit around and say, you know what? We don't need them because they're inferior. I'm superior. We can look around and say, you know what? We can all bring glory to God. You can bring glory to God when you use your gifts and abilities to be part of the body, to bring glory to him. So what does this all all mean for us? What does this mean? I think this year we could accomplish so much spiritual growth, and I think we could bring so much glory to our Heavenly Father if we work together as the body of Christ. If we choose to be that relational community that serves one another and reaches out to our community, I think we could do so much when it comes to growing spiritually ourselves and bringing glory to God. And so my question to you is, if, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus and if you're a partner here at GFC, is your hand in or is your hand out? Like are, are we going all hands in? Or are we going to choose to be the body of Christ together or not? And I'd encourage you, how could you this year, just to ask yourself this question, how could you help aid the spiritual growth of the body of Christ this year and bring glory to God in the process? Like, What, what could you contribute to that? What part of the body are you? None of us can say, well, I can't. Because remember, God created us all with different gifts and abilities. He's given us a part in the body to play. We can choose to say, I'm not going to be part of it. But we can't say, I can't be a part of it because I'm not a hand or I'm not a foot. No. It was God's joy and his pleasure to give us all different wirings and gifts, giftings and abilities so we could be the body together. And so, this year, how could you help aid the spiritual growth of someone else? Whether that's someone else in this room, whether that's someone in your family, whether that's a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, how could you help grow someone else in becoming more and more like Jesus? I think we all need to process that. None of us has to do it all, because many hands make light work. But we all have something to contribute to the spiritual growth of this church family, to our families, to our community. And when we do that, we bring God so much glory. So I'd encourage you today, this week, if you haven't yet processed, like, what's this year look like for me when it comes to to living for Jesus, when it comes to following him, when it comes to being part of the body— Take some time to really process through that. Get creative with it. Maybe ask your spouse. Maybe talk to a friend, someone who knows you well. If you're sitting there scratching your head, like, I don't know what I could do, don't keep that to yourself. Go talk to someone. Let someone, another part of the body, help you in figuring that out. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that you, in your wisdom and in some mysterious way, have given us the privilege to be part of your body here on earth. Lord, we don't always do that perfectly. I don't always do that perfectly. It can be challenging, and sometimes it, quite frankly, can feel easier just to do this solo, to just follow you, just you and us, or you and me. But Lord, we look in your word and we realize that you've created us for relationship with others and that we're better together. And may you use us this year, to help bring spiritual growth to our church family, to our broader community. And through that, may you be glorified. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.